Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. In the situation, think about who the Padres are and the swagger that they have. If it's Tatis who hits that home run, oh. I mean, they they probably oh. would have stopped the game. This is the press box. Brought out a full mariachi yes. and had like a party on the field. Yeah. Ed Rainey and Adam Candy. For the that, bat toss would still be in the air. The, uh, absolutely. It would still be in the air. Uh, like Manny Machado would have would have gone out to the mound, pulled his pants yes. down, taken a dump on the mound, and said, you pitch through this for the rest of the day. On ESPN Las Vegas. Well, maybe take, taking a dump with, uh, given Tatis won't be around for a while. We'll get to that later. Yeah, it's a shame. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Ted Graney, Adam Candy, and Jared Tyler is on vacation. We don't even want to know where he is. Hi, Adam. How are you? It's true, Tyler. Yes. I, I don't want to know anything about it. Like, just send him out of here. Let yes. me in. Let me fix this thing. And hopefully when he gets back, he can he can keep things on track. I'm doing great, man. Let's Absolutely. do this. Let's do this. Jared, let's do it. The first bite. Should Ed Graney be run out of town? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's an affirmative. Uh, okay, I'm going to read. Adam, I'm going to read you this uh, big letter to the editor, uh, more so about Mark Andre Fleury, but it does it does uh, begin with I should be run out of town. That's fine. For defending Kelly McCrimmon, as the letter says, Mr. McCrimmon put himself in the salary cap position. He put the Mr. dagger. Mr. McCrimmon. Yes, he put the dagger in Mr. Fleury's back the day he traded for Robin Leonard. He was pushing it all the way uh, to the hits this time. Mr. Fleury was this team. Where would we have been without him last season? Meaning the Golden Knights, not us. Golden Knights fans should boycott the first home exhibition game to voice our dispro- disapproval. We should bet all the unders on the team and we should show up in mass for January 8th against the Chicago Blackhawks. I quote James Bond, once a king, always a king, but king, but once a knight. I actually think, and I'm going to check this gentleman is wrong, that it's not January 8th. I think it's in March. He might have he might have gotten the VGK at Chicago. I'll check. But wanted to ask you, Mr. Candy. Well, you obviously agree I should be run out of town. Let me ask you real quick. If you were run out of town, like, what's one thing you would run to? Like, what's one thing you would have to have if, in fact, they ran you out of town? Here's the thing. If they run me out of town on a day when it's going to be 109 with, like, 50% humidity, I'm running straight to the beach. Like, don't, (laughs) don't worry about me. I'll be fine. You will see me running down 15, wave to me in prim, and then catch me when I'm all the way into somewhere in West LA. Like, it'll be fantastic. So you can run me out of town at any time, but I don't generate the same kind of feelings that you do, Mr. Graney. Um, and I think I'm gonna have to refer to you as Mr. Graney um, from now on. Here, here's the part that was a little bit fishy to me about that letter. What was the first name of that letter writer? Well, the, the letter writer says... Uh, I, I believe the letter writer's first name was Alan? Oh yeah, that's right, that's right, hmm. Alan. Alan, that's Alan. right, Alan. It had two L's. Yes. Just like another Alan that I know. That's right. Huh. Uh, well. You know, that letter sounded, you know. Is this a ghost? It, it, could, could, could this have been, could this have been a, a ghost writer for Alan Walsh who just didn't change enough of the name? That could be it. That could oh. be it. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, well oh. our buddy Alan Walsh. It, that's that's a. I didn't even think of that. You were way ahead of the game here, thinking it might be Alan Walsh. Uh, I do want to say I updated that. Um, well, I'll give him first. Of all, I think he said uh, January uh, 9th. Actually, the Blackhawks are here on January eighth. 
So that part of the letter is wrong if I'm uh, if I'm correct. No, he said January 8th. Good for him. Alan's on top of things. Well, it's Alan Walsh. He should know the schedule. Exactly. I want to ask you about what we've now kind of consumed over the last. By the way, Mark andre Fleury, uh, in a short video message the other day, standing in front of a private plane, obviously taking him to Chicago. I don't know if he was in Chicago or Vegas at the time, but he said, hello, Chicago. Uh, this is Mark. I'm all in. So he's going to play. Before we get to that, I wanted to talk to you about what we've kind of, you know, contracted over the last uh, several, several days. And that's this kind of hunger and insatiable love for Mark andre Fleury, and that's fine. Have you? Can you think of an athlete in your time that has had generated this kind of response and bitterness, sadness, anger of an athlete that has been traded away from a team in your lifetime where you're like, wow, that is more about the athlete than the team. They do not understand professional sports and what happens here. They are just so in love with this athlete. It's going to, in my opinion, kind of cloud the perception of what pro sports is. I spent a minute thinking about that, Ed, when when the idea first was presented, and I thought maybe it would be Patrick Ewing growing up with the Knicks, but in the end, it, it really wasn't. I can't think of anything that really compares to the hero worship that goes on with Marc-Andre Fleury, and I get it because of the fact that he was the biggest name on a team that came along at not only a time to save Las Vegas from decades of not having professional sports, but then, of course, because of the tragedy of October 1st, mm -hmm. really grabbed a special place in everyone's hearts. And Marc-Andre Fleury was the face of that, and I think we saw a little taste of this last year when Alan Walsh tweeted out the sword picture. Yes. Like we, we got just a little feeling of it because, you know, we, we saw that it, at least a good half of the people were still on Marc-Andre Fleury's side, even, even after that. So, no, Ed, I really haven't seen anything like it. What about you? I can't. I mean, Montana was traded. People were traded. And here's the thing. I wasn't in those, I wasn't in those fan bases, so I guess I didn't. You just saw it from afar. Oh, boy, they traded that guy. They traded that guy. So I wasn't in the moment like we're in Vegas here and we can see it up close and personal. Um, so I can't remember. I know big names who have been traded, but I was never. I mean, I grew up in you know Laguna Beach, California. You know, We didn't have any pro sports. I think the pro, biggest pro sport we had was Karch Karai on beach volleyball. I saw him last night. He's aged a little. Uh, but, no, I, I can't remember the kind of the vitriol and just the bitterness and anger towards this management team for moving on from a guy. Now, let me ask you this. He, he, like I said, he had his video yesterday and uh, says, I'm all in and uh, hello, Chicago. This is Mark. How much of a percentage? Cause mine was 0% because at the end of the day, no one's leaving 7 million on the table. I know he has a lot of money. I know he's done well in his career, but it's $7 million. You have a family. Obviously one of the things that I think the goals is you set up your families for as long as you can. What percentage did you give him for this whole idea that he'd retire and not play? Honestly, in my head, I, I had about 25%. I, I thought really? there was a chance that Marc-Andre Fleury would walk out the conquering hero of Las Vegas because if you are Marc-Andre Fleury and you choose to retire instead of going to Chicago, if you say, you know what, I love it here. My family loves it here. I've accomplished everything I need to accomplish in my career, capped with a Vezina trophy in my final season. I'm good. I mean, you think the hero worship is over the top for Marc-Andre Fleury right now. Can you oh. imagine what it would have been uh, had he decided, no, Vegas was the only place I would ever play. I'm done. So... Right. I think that that would have been uh, that would have been a crazy way to go out, but in the end, it was still a preponderance of the evidence saying he was ultimately yeah. 
going to play. And by the way, just to put a capper on this, uh, met Karch Karai in a mall one time Ooh. and have a uh, have a autograph photo that says Adam, go for it. It was the nice. motivation I needed. Nice. I needed that motivation in my life. Nice. I think Karch has been the women's volleyball coach for a while now. Uh, I just remember him on uh, the beaches of Laguna Beach, like winning every beach volleyball tournament I ever watched. And uh, yeah, good for Karch Karai. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, mine wasn't 25%. I just thought, and I always, maybe it's wrong of me just to go to the money. Cause like I said, he's done very well. I have no clue how much money is important to him. I wouldn't want to even guess. That's not my business, but I still look at it. And I'm like $7 million on the table. And here's the other thing. I don't think there's many more athletes that have been in this town that are more competitive than him, that want to win more than him. He's just so understated in so many ways with the media, and he was the greatest guy with the media, and everyone loved him because, you know, he never turned down interviews. I mean, the whole the one thing that he's always going to kind of also be on the other side of that is he never really came out and admitted he knew about the sword the sword tweet. I absolutely believe he did. He, he walked around that question many times. But other than that, very, very popular with the media, uh, but really, really competitive. Adam, I just, I also think there's a, I also think, I don't know what percentage is, there's a hint to him saying, okay, uh, we'll see how we do when we play you in terms of Chicago, and I'm going to come back and prove to you that you made a mistake. Might be 2%, might be 80%. I have no idea. No one really out there does except him, inside him, but there has to be some of that, doesn't there? You would think, and it's always a quiet fire with Marc-Andre Fleury, right? It's never something that is out there on the surface even during the whole sword picture thing, he was very even keeled. Uh, my question back to you, Ed, about this is, are there any clues that we can take from Marc-Andre Fleury's arrival in Las Vegas from Pittsburgh? Did you ever get the sense that he really wanted to stick it to Pittsburgh? That's a great question because, you know, well, I, I think he, you know, he didn't come as the starter. Remember, he was, re- we, we know he was replaced. So, there might have been some you know, sticking it to Pittsburgh, but he might have had that feeling before he even got here, given he lost his job. I was there in the expansion night. Again, Flurry at 99% of the time came off as very accommodating. You didn't really, you couldn't really read him. He always, you know, kind of went with the positive of, other than the sword meme. So there might have been that. I think this time there might just be a little more for how beloved he was, what he did for a franchise. You made the best point coming off the show. Had there been, and 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 and, and God bless if there there wasn't, no one ever wanted this to happen, obviously. But if the shooting had never happened, right when those guys were being introduced to the city as a team, I don't know if there would have been a love for him. Maybe had they won like they did, but had they come in as an expansion team and done what probably Seattle's going to do, although they're in the Pacific, so they'll probably go to the playoffs, but and just stink like most expansion teams do, I just don't think it's anything close to this. I think the winning part elevated his status and what people you know thought of him like tenfold. I can't agree more. And, and look... We were both there that first night. Yep. It's, it's a night that you'll never forget for for good reasons and bad. And Marc-Andre Fleury was front and center to all of that. Now, was he front and center for months before that? Absolutely. Look, we knew from well before the expansion draft that Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be the centerpiece of what the Vegas Golden Knights not only put out there on the ice, but put out there in the community. And he's the perfect guy for it. And even all the way up to this playoff, I can not think of another player that I've heard where they introduce the starting lineup and the roar for him is just different. Yes. It's just something that is over the top different. 
twice back here, uh, the 8th and then in March the 26th, I believe. I was just updated here. It's the 8th and the 26th. Uh, how how much will that be on that night? And I can't believe I'm saying this. And by the way, I'll, I'll respect to Alan who wrote that letter, but, uh, you know, the whole idea about boycotting any game at that place, you're out of your mind. It's going to be sold out. I don't care what fans are thinking. That place is going to be sold out. But that night... Are there more cheers from Mark Andre Flair? Is there any crossover from these fans that first night? One hundred percent. I don't know wow. what you think, Ed, but I think <laughs> I, I I think every time Mark Andre Fleury makes a save, it's going to be like he still plays for the Golden Knights for one night. I don't think it'll be like that forever, right? But the first time that the soldier comes home from war. There you he go. He's going to be treated like a hero every single time. I have, I gotta be honest, and I will be stunned if Vegas does anything different than that because that's the level of, of I want to say vitriol is too strong, but certainly hurt that they've expressed right now. Imagine how long that video is going to be. Oh my oh, god, the video tribute. It's oh. going to be longer. Oh, oh. Ed, it's going to be longer than Jared's montage that he had last week from our Andre Fleury. Six, Did you have a montage? Yes, it was six minutes. You went on a rant? No, no, no. I, I oh, you cut everything up for yeah, six minutes. Yeah. Oh, you're, that six minutes like the intro to that weird video. That thing's going to go on forever. They may, yeah, they they may need to like schedule a pre <laughs> pre game and then sell tickets. Like, well, but if you want to see the flurry tribute, that'll be an extra hundred dollars. <laughs> well, anything out there to make an extra buck, you know. I've seen the jerseys. All right, when we come back, we're going to stick with hockey. We're going to get into the Robin Leonard situation uh, in terms of what Adam thinks about what he has to do to succeed. And also, Robin went on Twitter yesterday. He is at least supporting at this point of Vander Kane. We'll tell you why. Here on a Monday, it's Ed, Adam Candy, Jared, and uh, running the show as usual. Dave Shane at 7.30 on VGK, and the love fest is flurry. Let me ask you something, Adam. I, I, I'd love to know your opinion on this when it comes to Robin Leonard. Um, he obviously, uh, I think, sadly, at some point, especially with fans, will take the brunt of this love for flurry um, in terms of, you know, boy, he loses one or two games, which is going to happen because it always does. I hate to think of, like, the social media reaction of what's going to happen with him. Does he have to win the Cup to be actually accepted in this town? Does he have to win the Cup to be accepted in this town? Does he have to win the Cup to be accepted within his own franchise, Ed? Because that is the bar, is it not? I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury was the absolute king of this franchise when it comes to players on the ice. And that wasn't enough inside his own building. You have a $7 million cap number. We need to get under the cap. Goodbye. Right. So if, if that's the way it's viewed within your own building, you have to assume that it's viewed that way by the people outside the building who are much more attached to Marc-Andre Fleury than Robin Leonard is. That's a great point. I, I just I, I can see it coming. I think you can. They lose three or four straight again. It's a long season, even though I, they're going to win the Pacific by a lot unless something crazy happens. I just can I, from what I've seen already, I can't imagine the fans in terms of on Leonard. And look, I don't even know who knows if the four losses would be his fault. We have no idea what's going to happen next season. But I can just imagine, Adam, the kind of response to him. It will be unfair and unjust, but it's going to happen. So... And the, res- the response to him is the part that I'm really fascinated by mm-hmm. because Robin Leonard seems to really like his Twitter account. Yes. And yes. this is not going to be a quiet athlete 
if he is being criticized. He's going to make it clear. He's a guy who, before his playoff start this year, came out and said, I was on Twitter hours before the game, basically looking for motivation and found what he wanted. Good for him. Go find sure. the motivation wherever you need to. Like that's that's great. You're a professional athlete. If you're not motivated by the dollars, be motivated by something else. It's fine as long as you get the job done. Right. But if if he starts this season off with a couple of clunkers, Ed, uh, oh. do you think this is going to devolve? Like, do you think he's going to get into it with the uh, with the fans? I don't think he can help it. And again, he's been very open. I think, you know, admirably so, because I think he's helped a ton of people with his speaking out on on mental health and and, and trying to combat that in his own life. I think it's been great because I do think uh, he's probably helped people. He'll never know. And, you know, and, and they, here's a professional athlete who can speak on it. Maybe to help me in my in, in my life is what, what people I think would say. Um, but I, I'm with you on this. I don't think he'll be able to help himself of not going back at people. And, again, I think with the mental health uh, stuff on Twitter, if that's part of his therapy, again, great for him. Uh, that's what he feels he needs to do to open up and to talk to people about it. But I'm with you on this. I think that he would take to Twitter if it gets bad. And then, then it just takes another level of kind of trying to control uh, as things get out of hand with fans. He, I want to ask you about this. He was on Twitter yesterday uh Real quick, Evander Kane of the Sharks has denied allegations made by his wife that he bet on his own games and has intentionally tried to lose for gambling profit. Now being investigated by the NHL, Robin went to Twitter yesterday. He apparently knows Evander Kane very well, um, and he said, you know, let's see what happens here. Don't uh, crucify him yet. And again, at that point, in, in many senses, he's actually right. No one really knows. They'll investigate it. We'll see what happens. Um Another point here, because you do a great job in VEASAN, you know, gambling as well as anyone. I want to talk to you. I always feel it fascinating. It goes back to Pete Rose, obviously, about the gambling on your team. Did you or did you not? Tell me from a gambling perspective now in these investigations, how much do the NHL, how much do the Sharks? I'm sure they go back and look at games, but Adam, this is hockey. How how well or, or poorly could you tell in this investigation if, in fact, he actually gambled, what, uh, be it on hockey or his team? To me, it sounds very difficult to prove it if you're just going back and looking at games. This is going to come down, Ed, to where Evander Kane did his gambling, okay. right? And right. how well known he was to whoever was taking his action. I mean, if he if he was betting at the amounts that we've heard that he was betting— and I'm not just saying betting on sports, gambling in all forms. If he was betting at those amounts, then he's well known inside whatever casino he was doing it. Um, if he's doing it privately, then it's going to be a matter of what sort of records are there. But let's also be clear that Evander Kane came out and was very loud about saying, I didn't do this. Yes. He said, I never bet on games. I never bet on my own games. I never bet on hockey, et cetera, et cetera. And he put himself into a box here because if any evidence comes out to the contrary, then he's clearly uh, he's clearly screwed. Now, from the league's perspective, Ed, what I'm, here's what I'm fascinated by, and this is the kind of thing that you know obviously talk about on Visa, but cover in my day job at Legal Sports Report as well. Um, the NHL has multiple partnerships with sports books, okay, and so. This is going to be a really, really tricky line for the NHL to walk because now you have the perception that the NHL has a business interest in gambling. And so they probably have to err on the side of coming down on Evander Kane if they find anything. Not that they wouldn't have in the first place, but this is the NHL's first real chance to show that it can still maintain some level of 
independence, even though it's getting money for partnerships with sports books, because the perception is going to be out there that, oh, well, if, you know, if Evander Kane gets 10 games for something that was terrible, then they're going to say, oh, well, you know, obviously the NHL doesn't want to lose its business with sports books, right? Even though that we know that that's a ludicrous way to look at it, the perception will become the reality on that. So I, 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 I this is going to be fascinating to watch from the perspective I, of the league. I mean, it's, I, I, it's silly to say I can't wait, but I, I want to watch it from the league standpoint, like you said, on how they investigate it and what they would do if, in fact, they actually believed he did. Like you said, he vehemently denied it. I never bet or gambled on hockey, never gambled on the Sharks, never gambled on any of my games, never thrown a hockey game. He said on Twitter, the facts are I personally had my best season of my career last year and was the most consistent I've ever been. NHL saw the uh, remarks from Anna Kane, his uh, his wife, on Twitter. Uh, she said a lot of other things. Again, I don't think the NHL is going to investigate that, nor should they. She obviously painted him as a bad husband and father. She said he would be in Europe uh, with women. He'd be partying while she was home without any money to buy formula for his child. All of that, again, are personal attacks. Uh, only those two know. I don't think that's – nor should it be part of the investigation. Uh but Robin Leonard going on again, and I, I guess defending is a hard word. I, I think what he did is say, I know this person, you know, let's wait and see. This is not the person. Are you okay with that? Absolutely, I am. Uh, you know, there's a difference between an athlete who has a presence on social media and an athlete who is looking to use that social media as a, a way to lash out. Uh, and I think that Robin Leonard coming to the defense of Vander Kane is fine. Uh, go ahead and, and speak up for your friend. And obviously, he's willing to do it in such a way that there's a record out there. Right? Uh, we, we all know it now that Robin Leonard spoke up for Evander Kane. So, you know, look, I, I, I think we, we, enter, we enter into slippery slope territory yes. if and when we cross up the, the mental health of Robin Leonard with his social yes. media presence, right? It's not necessarily not necessarily the same thing. That being said, that unfortunately, because he's been so open about a subject that is so sensitive to so many people, it's going to get crossed up in terms of perception. People are going to do that. The first time he lashes out, they're going to say, oh, well, that guy's got problems. No, I mean, that's that's that probably has nothing to do with it. Uh, Robin Leonard, it's funny how everything has become guilty until proven innocent and only listen to one side. We've gone really fast through something hard for a human being to judge once again. I don't know the facts, and we will find out in due time. This all got investigated very fast while other matters haven't. I can tell you from my experience that I've been around and got to know Evander. We will see what the investigation says, but from the experience he's had, never gambled on hockey, and I hope that's the case. Hope with love and support, Evander will keep working on his problems regarding addiction to gambling, which he said he has. I hope the best for the whole family. So I'm with you. I don't have any problem with that. He knows him. Uh, he uh, says, let's wait for, out for the investigation. Finally, I want to ask you this uh, real quick before you get to David Shane. Your kind of gut feeling here on where this goes. Let's say they find the casino he's been at, and it's only been one casino, and they can narrow the scope to that. Your gut feeling as to what happens with, are you going to surprise, given your experience in this, if nothing comes of this, or do you expect something to come down on the gambling, given he's talked about his gambling problems in the past? Yeah, I mean, it's been clear that the man has issues related to gambling. That much is 
obvious. Uh, God, Ed, this is so difficult because it's coming out of what is obviously an acrimonious divorce, right? Yes, like, yes. like, you know, I have a friend who talks about it and says marriages are sovereign nations and we don't know what happens inside them and we need to leave them to, you know, to be handled as such. And because of that, it's so difficult to get into what I think can happen from this. I will say, Evander King came out as strongly as you possibly could. Like he didn't leave, there was no equivocation. He left no room for, uh, well, I might've bet on a football game. I might've bet over here. Like, no, he was very clear about the fact that the allegations are untrue. So I, I, I'm, I tend to be on the Robin Leonard side of, all right, well, let's, let's go ahead and go ahead and prove it. Show me what you can prove. We'll talk about this and more coming up. It's Dave Shane on deck on VGK and hockey. Oh, we're positive here. The press box at Grainy Adam Candy. Jared running the show. Please be joined now, though. Follow him on Twitter at David Shane LVRJ, your expert beat writer for the Vegas Golden Knights Review Journal. Um, please tell me, given I think this is your vacation week, and why in the world you're spending it with us, I have no idea, that you're at least, that you're at least ready to tee off somewhere. What are you doing being on this show? This is my this is my last duty. I'm I'm all packed up. I'm literally. How about this? Okay, I'm literally at a gas station getting ready to drive to California. Wow. So that should okay. that should tell you right, right there. Well, thank God you're here, and we appreciate it. Um, Adam and I were talking before you came on. We let off the show with Mark Andre Fleury. Hello, Chicago. I'm Mark. I'm all in. Let's get to work. Give us because we gave percentages out. It look. I'm going to say it's very easy, and I'm sure there's more to it, that you don't leave $7 million on the, on the table, no how much money you have. You have a family. You're trying to set everyone up at $7 million. Give us a percentage he was ever going to retire, and what reasons do you think went into him going to Chicago to play? I mean, I think probably about 5%, maybe, to be quite honest. I don't think it was ever really, like, a true consideration. Other than, you know, look, actually – so I was listening to you guys on the way, well, on my way to the gas station, actually, <laughs> <laughs> and kind of heard you guys, you know, talking about Evander Kane and, you know, sort of what happens during a divorce. And a lot of this just feels like a divorce. I mean, unfortunately, I was a kid who grew up and, you know, saw parents fighting and yelling and screaming. That's what it feels like between the Knights and Marc-Andre Fleury through this whole thing. And it was like everybody throwing salvos. And, and in some ways, I think, you know, Mark Andre Fleury made it very clear, and I think through his agent, he made it very clear that he did not want to leave Las Vegas. He did not want to be traded from the Golden Knights. And even Kelly McCrimmon said Mark Andre Fleury wanted to be a Vegas Golden Knight. But, you know, the, the Knights did what they had to do, what they felt was best for the organization. And unfortunately, it was painful and hurtful and disappointing for Mark Andre Fleury. And I think he went through all the emotions that you go through. And, Really, in some ways, I think their last, you know, maybe Hail Mary in all of this was to try to get the trade killed by threatening, you know, retirement. And I think that goes to what Kelly McCrimmon was talking about as to why he didn't, you know, let them know, say, five minutes before the trade, was he felt like Marc-Andre Fleury was going to threaten to retire. And, and that Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks weren't going to go through the trade or go through with the trade. So... You know, I, I, this is just me personally. I don't really think that he was ever really considering retiring, and I don't know how much of it was the $7 million. I think he just loves playing hockey, and he said it at the end of the year that when he's not having fun, that's when he's going to walk away, and I think he's still having fun. And here's the other thing, too. You know, it's Chicago. The heck of a city. 
Like, he didn't get sent and exiled to some outpost, and I'm not going to, out of courtesy to an NHL city, I won't say it, but it's not like the old days in the NFL where you got sent to Green Bay. You know, he got he got traded to Chicago, and they have a really good team potentially. So I think once he came around and realized all that, you know, he said, okay, if it, you know, one year here, let's do it, and then we'll see where we're at at the end. Yeah, uh, David, you don't have to say it. I'll do it on behalf of Adam Hill. Uh, it wasn't like he was sent to Winnipeg, right? Like, it'll just do this for everybody's <laughs> sake so that you guys don't have to say it. I can say it. I'm really just quoting somebody else. So, Dave, do you get the sense from – what you've heard around the organization that it was only going to be Marc-Andre Fleury among the two goaltenders who was traded because it, Robin Leonard only makes a couple million dollars less. Granted, the term of the contract is much longer, but he also has much longer horizon in terms of playing. So was trading Robin Leonard ever a consideration for them? I mean, I think we heard, you know, at least one rumor, maybe Elliot Friedman, I think I want to attribute it correctly. I think it was him who had floated that maybe New Jersey had some interest in Robin Leonard, and I don't really know where that went. But I think I just go back to Kelly McCrimmon's quote, you know, after the trade of Marc-Andre Fleury, in that you know, at, at expansion, even from that point forward, they were always looking for their next goalie. And, and they, they always looked at Marc-Andre Fleury as a short-term, you know, we'll get a few years out of him. But they were always looking for the next number one. And as soon as they made that trade... And as soon as they re-signed Robin Leonard to that five-year contract, they, they showed their commitment to him. And, and I think the writing was on the wall at that point. So was it a possibility? Yeah, maybe. You know, I, I, I guess if there was enough interest, maybe they could have. But, you know, when I talked to Bill Foley and asked him, you know, why did you come around on this? Why, why were you okay? He, he, he explained that, that, you know, Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, and the scouts, when they all sat down, you know, really laid it out for him and, and made him understand where they were in the salary cap situation and, and how Mark andre Fleury in trading him was going to be the best move for the Knights going forward. All right, let's switch gears then and go to the guy who is the goalie now, and that's Robin Leonard. Um, we talked about before you came on, uh, it, I mean, it's almost like you read social media, people are going after him. We knew that would happen because of the love for Fleury, uh, which is a little bizarre. Even even I still think it's bizarre, even though I know what it's about. Um how well, two two part question? Uh, we asked this to Adam before he came on. Does he have to win a cup to be accepted? And when he goes through losing patches, which it'll ha- which it will happen, it's inevitable uh, next season. Will he help himself and not engage on Twitter? How bad, I guess, could it be for Leonard if he engages, or even if he loses three or four straight by the fans? Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to kind of see this dynamic going forward, and and especially with us as as media members with him. Uh, you know, now that it's kind of his locker room, his team, he doesn't have to walk on eggshells if he felt like, you know, he was coming into a new city and didn't want to ruffle any feathers. He can be himself now, you know. It, it's all out there. There's there's nothing holding back at this point. So I think we in the media are going to see that. You know, you, I think you mentioned earlier, you know, he you criticize him and he doesn't like it, he will certainly push back on it. Uh, as far as, you know, the first question, uh, I feel like the answer is yes, and and I want to maybe qualify that by saying, unfortunately, yes. All of the moves that the Knights have made, and and maybe it's not just Robin Leonard. I mean, the mandate for everybody in that organization is to win a Stanley Cup. And Kelly McCrimmon, at this point, the moves that he made and sort of the PR hit that they've taken at this point, it, it does feel like, you know, 
unless they win a Stanley Cup, everybody's going to kind of turn around and go, well, if you had done this or if you had kept him or if you had you know, not traded him or, or whatever, then maybe you would have won a cup. That just seems like everybody's you know, kind of snap reaction right now, and maybe that'll dissipate you know, with time. The one thing I will say with Robin Leonard, just to circle back to that, is you know, whether people want to believe it or not, the guy, for, especially for the last three years, has been an outstanding NHL goaltender. There, of, of the goaltenders that have played 100 or more games in the last three years, he has the best save percentage in the league. Better than Vasilevsky, better than, you know, Tukarask, definitely better than Fleury and, and anybody else you can throw out there. So the idea that suddenly the Knights have downgraded in some way in goal, that's, that to me is the fallacy. And, and that's where I think Knights, need, Knights fans you know, need to accept that they have a legitimate number one goaltender that the front office fields can win a Stanley Cup. Dave, it's not just Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, in the, the mind of the aggrieved fan, uh, as Ryan Reeves has been sent out as well. And we saw a lot from Kelly McCrimmon about the fact that, you know, he had conversations about Ryan Reeves' future with him, and, you know, they've determined it's probably best for him to go somewhere else. And I saw a lot of Golden Knights fans on social media say, oh, wow, you gave Ryan Reeves more courtesy in the conversation than you did Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, do you think there's anything to that at all? I mean, I guess on the surface, yes. And that's sort of the problem with all this from the Golden Knights perspective is, is again, it's that PR hit. They just they can't win this PR war. And, and, again, I think the difference, to be perfectly honest, is the situation. And look at Ryan Reeves. He put out a, you know, a video he was all, you know, he thanked Vegas, and then he was jacked up about the trade, and he understood, and he seemed to react to it totally different than Mark andre Fleury's camp, which essentially, according to Kelly McCrimmon, was basically using that information against them. So, you know, it, again, it goes back to, like, what is standard operating procedure and, and what is acceptable, and should the Golden Knights have, you know, made a courtesy call or a text or somehow, some way, let Mark andre Fleury know? You know, before, yeah, probably, but they felt like the situation was not, you know, conducive to that, and it wasn't like a Ryan Reeves situation where they could say, "Hey, you know, we're doing this, and this is what's best for you," because Ryan Reeves also got a contract extension in New York, and he clearly wasn't going to get that, you know, in Vegas with Keegan Colasar and, and other people blocking his way. I don't think. Oh, I'm gonna. I want to say it's close, but I'm not even sure it's close. Uh, when all was said and done with the draft last week, and I was uh, on with Tyler, we both immediately said they're better now than they were. Uh, and it, I, in our minds, we didn't even think it was close. Uh, I don't. It doesn't mean they're going to win the cup. They might win the Pacific by like 100 points, just because the Pacific's not going to be very good. In your mind, are they better, and how much better they are now if they don't do anything else? So the, I don't think they are better. Wow. Okay. And the reason, and the reason I say that is because <laughs> they're not going to have Alex Tuck all the way through probably February. And then think about this, too, with February is right now the Olympic break. So, like, if we count out six months and he's actually on a six-month timeline, he comes back at, like, start of February, if my math is correct. You play, like, two games. You're probably not going to do that. You're going to give him the break. So he's probably not coming back to, like, late February or March. And at this point, I don't think they're better because I think Dadenoff is a wash at best, you know, with Tuck. So I, I felt like with Tuck in there and you have two 20-goal scorers on your third line and that's how you're going to get your offense and you're not going to rely necessarily on one superstar, I liked that. I could see that, that plan. And then as soon as, you know, Kelly McCrimmon makes the announcement that Alex Tuck is out six months, you look at the lineup 
and you put it on the board and it, it changes and it's not the same. So from that standpoint, you know, it does still feel like if you make this trade for, you know, to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury and you get nothing for him, all you get is $7 million in cap space and really all you bring back is, you know, Dadnoff and Ristein Yanmark. I, I do understand the fans would be upset. And I'm not saying that Jack Eichel per se, you know, smooths that over, but it, but it does still feel like there's room somehow, some way in this lineup for, for kind of a big gun and, a, and definitely a number one center. Can I give myself an F for that and recant? Because we said those things before we knew about Alex Tuck. Yeah, no, and I, and I said this, I said the same thing. I said the exact same things, and and I think I talked about it maybe on a different radio show too. But yeah, I think that no. changes the dynamic absolutely. Is Adam? F. Is this Adam? Is this uh, their idea of Kucherov? Tuck's going to come. They're going to win the cup, and he's going to talk about number one BS for somebody. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, I love it. We want that to happen, actually. I, I actually want that to happen. With his I, shirt off, drinking a beer? If only. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I got the number one BS uh, T-shirt <laughs> from the uh, company down in Florida. So if Alex Tuck has one and there's, like, Alex Tuck chugging a beer with whatever, I'd buy that T-shirt, too. Uh, well, he's on his way to California. Follow him on Twitter at David Shane LVRJ. Does an incredible job for Review Journal covering the night. We don't know why you came on, but we really appreciate it. Safe travels. <laughs> hey, you guys ask me, I come on anytime. Thanks, David. Have a great there one. he is, going to California. When in the world's he on the show? Kids on vacation. I would never give you my time like that. No. Never. In fact, when I asked you, you're professional in terms of the dates because you know I got the Raiders camp and Bischoff decided to go on vacation for like the first time in 13 years. You said, "Hey, I can do these days, but I'm working on vacation, so don't ask me for these days." Shane pulls into the uh, a Chevron there, pays six dollars a gallon, and he still comes on with us. You got to give the guy a lot of credit. Dedication, dedication. All right, when we come back, it's show and tell. Adam and I are going to tell you about. Oh my God, the women's soccer team lost. Ed Graney has been a journalist for over thirty years. He's seen a lot of and been given a lot of free stuff. Oh brother. All right, back to show and tell. Whether it was scurvy or a padre eating a Snickers bar. Why don't you bring us potato? You're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? Ed Graney is here to show and tell. I wonder where all the free stuff went. <laughs> Keep looking for this free stuff at the house. It's not Come that. on, you don't have programs? I, did. I wasn't as... I know people who have saved every credential they've ever had. I'm serious, like thousands of credentials. I don't save programs. I don't save any of it. If I did, I'm sure the wife put it on eBay anyway, so I never even saw it. She sold the stuff right when I got it. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Adam Candy's here with us. It's Ed Graney and Jared. All right, I want to tell you something and get your response because this stuff fascinates me, Adam, with the response, just like the Leonard response, of how kind of Americans respond to – quote-unquote, failures of national teams. Um, 1-0, Canada knocks out the women's soccer team. It was a penalty, I believe, in the 70th minute, so the Americans will now play for bronze. Uh, They were also bounced from 2016 in Rio in the quarters. Um, Okay, let me get your automatic, let me get your, like, you know, instant uh, reaction to them losing and they didn't play really well in in, in the group stage. I don't know if anyone's, you know, shocked about this, but when you saw this this morning, any kind of emotional reaction? Did it turn you one way or the other? 
I felt terribly for them, quite honestly. I, I, Megan Rapino talked after the game and said, you know what, it never clicked for us. Like Throughout the entire Olympics, we never really were on the same page. We know there have been some questions about roster decisions and who's played, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, I, I felt for them because not only has this past year plus in training been more difficult than I'm sure most of us can imagine, but what a strange environment it is over in Tokyo right now. So, you know, my, the only emotional response I had was just feeling badly for them. Do you think, and I'm going to read a tweet uh, from an Olympic writer, that's it. U.S. women lose to Canada 1-0 in Olympic semifinals. The nation with more registered women's players than the rest of the world combined has one win in five games here, one, two, and two, and has been shut out three times. I saw other tweets about um, most of the women are in their 30s. America has to start finding younger stars here. They're running into teams with uh, women in their 20s, much younger, uh, talented stars. Um, I guess there's some truth to that. I mean, look, they're finely conditioned athletes, but mid-30s is mid-30s. Uh, Carly, uh, Carly Lloyd is 39. Uh, so is this changing of the guard, as you see? We saw what Sweden did to them. Now Canada, who've been waiting 20 years for this kind of win uh, over the Americans in terms of getting to a gold medal match. I mean, is this just kind of a wake-up call that it might be time from all these women who've kind of so beloved by this country in World Cups and otherwise to move on? It's still a team that made it to a semifinal and was in a nil-nil game into the 70th minute. So I, I, I'm not saying that I think it's over immediately. But Megan Rapino even said so after the game. She said, "Look, there's a lot. You know, we have a lot more career behind us than we do in front of us mm-hmm. at this point. So they understand that as well. Um, do, do they have to blow it up? No, not necessarily. And look, I don't believe that." the United States needs to panic in any way. I think this program has established itself on the women's side as a dominant power over the course of a number of years for a reason. I mean, you know, we're talking about Megan Rapinoe and Carly Lloyd the same way we were talking about Mia Hamm years ago, right. the same way we were talking about Julie Fowley, right. the same way we were talking about Brandy Chastain. Like the, the, these players have been replaced by a next generation. And yeah, you lose on a big stage like this, and obviously it's going to draw out those types of uh, questions or detractor, whatever you want to call it, but I'm not worried for this program. Uh, let me ask you this, and this was going to be an automatic response from many of the fans, and they knew it was coming. Uh, I'm never surprised, and I don't think you will be, at kind of the automatic response, good that they lost, don't like the protest they've taken, that's what you get for taking a knee, and just the whole side of kind of anger that comes at them, uh, whether Chapino or Lloyd or whoever, in terms of how they've kind of gone on with the protests, uh, dating back a few years, um, and the automatic response I saw, boy, the, the threads I saw uh, this morning, Adam, I don't think either of us were surprised at. So I know we've all been through a really difficult couple of years here with uh, you know with COVID and it's something that has brought me to try to be more respectful in dealing with people more understanding especially just listening more and so in response to all of that I want to say very kindly shut up <laughs> shut <laughs> up because that has nothing to do with the loss on the field if you're out here celebrating because you think the political stance that they took is wrong then shut up because there was nothing more American than what this team has been, nothing more American than the way this team has chosen to speak its mind. So kindly, respectfully, with all of your snowflake feelings taken deeply into my heart, shut up. I'd like to know how he feels about this. I'll ask him after the break. Coming back then.